and you know, the truth is, probably a lot of us here tonight are not completely satisfied with uh, who we are as Christians. We see flaws, and we see failures, and, and uh, we just see us. Now, I don't know about you, but I still, you know, I'm still a work in progress. I see a few flaws. I mean, occasionally, rarely. Get around Harry. No, I, I'm, he's not here, so I'm picking on him. But, you know, I, I do, I want to be, be a nicer, I want to be a nicer person. I'm fairly nice, but I want to be nicer. You know what I mean? I want to be better. I, I want to be more like Jesus, don't you? And, and most of us aren't completely satisfied with who we are as Christians, and that may not be all a bad thing. It may spur us into, you know, to uh, uh, growing and, and uh, recognizing that we have ways to go and being open to God moving in our lives and doing something to help us uh, uh, be nicer, uh, uh, more like Jesus. And so that may not be uh, all bad, but listen, while we may not be satisfied possibly with who we are, we need to know something about God, and that is that He is. <laughs> he is satisfied if we are Christians, if we are believers in Him, He is satisfied with us. This is part of the good tidings or the good news. His satisfaction isn't based on how we're doing or what we're doing. It's based on what Jesus has already done. Thank God for that. The, uh, what a miracle. You want to talk about a Christmas miracle. A Christmas miracle is that God could actually be satisfied with you and me. Now look at somebody and tell them it's a, that's a miracle. I'm going to look at a verse here in just a moment. Don't go there yet. I'm going to look at I'm going to show you a verse here on the screen that is one of my life verses. This is one of those uh, verses that back as, an, as a young pastor, uh, you know, several years ago, I, uh, I began to be inspired about. And truthfully, when I first kind of got a hold of this verse, I believed it, I received it, but the full impact of it really has only become more real in my life in maybe the last uh, uh, 10 to 15 years or something, maybe 20. Uh, but I want to show you this verse, and it is so important. I would encourage you to write it down, this next screen, please. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, uh, that we might become the righteousness uh, of God in Him. Now, what this verse means is that Jesus took our sin and made us righteous. That's incredible. Now, look at somebody and say, that's a Christmas miracle. <clears throat> he took our sin, but He didn't just cancel the debt. He didn't just wipe out the debt and give us a 
He didn't just give us a clean slate. It was greater than that. Uh, when I was pastoring in, in California, Southern California, we uh, had a testimony service one night, and a, a woman in our church stood up, and she was crying and, and thanking God for a miracle that had happened. She uh, was on limited income, and so uh, she had a, a loan out at the bank that she was making monthly payments on, and she had just gone that week into the bank to make her that month's payment on that loan, and as she went in, they looked it up, and as the, the teller told her, this loan has been paid off. And she said, you know, there must be a problem because I, it's my loan, and I haven't paid it off. And, and they said, no, uh, that loan has been satisfied. It is paid off. And she began to thank God in that in that service because God, somebody, God, an angel, or some uh, believer, or, or some unbeliever, who knows, but someone had paid the debt for her and it had been wiped out. That's pretty good, isn't it? When you and I ask Jesus to come into our lives, uh, he because he shed his blood, the debt of sin had been wiped out. We, we have been forgiven. We have been cleansed from all sin. Tell yourself, all sin. His blood satisfied God's claim uh, toward that penalty of sin, and it was wiped out, but something happened that, that was incredible, and that was that not only was the debt paid, but God made a huge deposit into our account, and that was Jesus's righteousness. And so we don't just, we don't, when we get born again, we don't just get a clean slate. If the debt's not just paid, he puts into our account the very righteousness of God in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me a little bit excited on this fifth day before Christmas. <clears throat> One of the best parts of the good tidings, and I want you to listen to this, and I, I pray you receive it, and maybe, maybe uh, you're one of those Christians who've been, who's been a believer for a while, and you need to just receive this truth again, and that is that God doesn't look, when He looks at us, He doesn't just focus on our flaws, shortcomings, or failures if we're believers in Him, if we are born again. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? We tend to think He does. We cannot even imagine that He wouldn't look at our flaws and shortcomings and failures and just, you know, kind of, because we're all works in progress, aren't we? I think that a lot of us think of God as being kind of like Santa Claus, like, the, like that song, you know, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Ah. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, that song really messed with my mind. 
it creeped me out as a little boy. I, and I don't know, I was about four or five years old. One Christmas, I do remember the feeling, I cried myself to sleep on Christmas Eve because I was sure that I wasn't going to, you know, he knows if I've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. I knew I hadn't been good. I knew I didn't deserve presents under the tree. I knew that the next morning I was going to get like switches and ashes and coal in my uh, stocking or something like that because I knew that my behavior hadn't been, I cried myself to sleep. My parents tried to assure me, yeah, it's going to be all right. There'll be something there. Don't worry about it. But I knew because I was a guilty little sinner. And I, <laughs> I knew that I didn't deserve anything under that tree. But, uh, you know, and that song just terrified me. Santa, you know, the all-knowing, you know. It's almost like Santa is part of the NSA. Now listen, God does see. He does know all. But he doesn't look at us like a critic. There's a guy named Fred, and he was seeing a, a therapist, and he'd been seeing him for some time because he felt like such a failure. Like, you know, he just couldn't do anything right. And so one day he burst in to the therapist's office holding an English muffin and shouting, I know I'm not a failure. I'm not a failure. And the therapist asked him, what happened? And Fred says, this morning I dropped my English muffin and it landed butter side up. I'm not a failure. And the therapist said, let me see that muffin. He looks at it and says, Fred, you buttered the wrong side. See, tonight, God doesn't look at us like a critic. He sees us as righteous as Jesus is. Now, I know this sounds almost too good to be true, but that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 is talking about. God the Father sees us with the same righteousness as he sees in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross not only to pay for our sins and wipe out that debt that was there because of our sin, but because of what Jesus did, we are credited with his righteousness. And you know what that means tonight? God is satisfied with us. And that is part of his good will toward men. Look at Isaiah 53 and verse 11. It says, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. This is prophetic, talking about what Jesus would do. He'll see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Because of what Jesus did for us, we have not only been forgiven, we've gotten a big old credit. Thank you, Jesus. And the reason the angels announced God's goodwill at Jesus' birth is because Jesus came, and because he came, God could be satisfied with us. In the Old Testament, 
uh, believers could never seem to measure up. They, there, were, there was a law, and they were not able to live the fulfillment of the law. Every year they had to make sacrifices again and again and again. And they made the same sacrifices year after year for the same sins because there was no enabling power for them to get over their hang-ups or problems, they never seem to be able to measure up. The good tidings tonight are that Jesus took care of our ever having to measure up again. Now, doesn't that make you happy? Jesus measured up for us. And now God is completely satisfied with us. If we've been born again, God is completely satisfied with us. Now, I want you to tell yourself or tell somebody, God is satisfied with you. That's pretty weak, but that's all right. It's one of those truths that really does seem almost too good to be true, but that's exactly what the gospel is. It is the almost too good to be true, and yet it is true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that we uh, 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 don't have room to grow. It doesn't uh, 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 mean that we shouldn't uh, or bring in obedience uh, into our life, but what it means is, is that God is not always frustrated by who we are, what we are, and what we're doing. Jesus paid the price to satisfy God. God's claim for our sin and credit us with righteousness and bring us the enablement to actually please God and that God could be satisfied with us. Isn't that good? Secondly, goodwill means that God is delighted with us. Now, this is another one of those things that seems too good to be true, doesn't it? That God would be delighted with us with us. Uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of areas, there's a lot of things that almost seem too good to be true, and yet they are true. But tonight, God is satisfied with us, and secondly, He is delighted with us, and we really need to be able to see God uh, as He is, and the heart of God as it is, God's heart. We need to be able to see God's heart because God's heart is the heart of a parent. Now, I have two kids, and they're not kids anymore. They're grown up. They're an adult, but uh, adults. But here's a picture of my kids when they were young. Uh, that was taken at 11 Mile Canyon in Colorado. And, uh, man, I tell you, when I look at that picture, my heart is ju- just fills up. That, uh, my daughter, Laura, she is just so cute. And then my son, Dan, is just so much Dan. I mean, you can see this kid. I mean, they were, they were, they were tripped. They, they, uh, I was, I was, and I'm still delighted with them. But can I tell you something? These kids weren't perfect. In fact, at this stage in his life, my son Dan, he was uh, three or four, right around there, when that picture was. It was right at this time. Uh, I was associate pastor of a large church in Colorado Springs, and 
one day we went over to the senior pastor's house and we're just talking and all and Dan went off into their garage and began to play and I went and and, uh, found him. He's in the garage and he had found this rusty old pocket knife and and Dan, he, I mean, from the time this kid could crawl, he was into weapons, sticks, uh, uh, pencils, whatever. He just, he's, and he still is. He, he's packing tonight. Amen. So, uh, but, but he's in there, you know, he was three or four years old, and he's got some kind of scenario going in his mind. He was all by himself, but he's, you know, he's fighting off something that rusty pocket knife. I said, Dan, you put that back. And he goes, and it, it, there was a toolbox, and he got out of it, so he puts it back in the toolbox, and so I turned and, and walked out, but later we went home, and I, as I was home, I was, I was in, sitting in my living room, and I know, you know, Dan was real quiet. Now, for my son, if he was real quiet, it, it meant one thing. He'd either knocked himself out or or uh, or he was in trouble, and so I went up to his room to check on him. And as I got up to the room, I, there's my boy with that rusty pocket knife. He's he's going at it again. And I looked up and said, "Dan," and he and then he's you know deer in in the headlights. His eyes are big, and he knew he was in so much trouble. I said, uh, "You took that, didn't you?" And he, yeah. And now he's starting to get trembly lipped and all, and I said, all right, Dan. I says, well, we're going to go back to pastor's house, and you're going to give it back to him, and you're going to apologize for taking that. Dan begins to sob and go, oh, Dan, you know, he begins to cry, and, and, he, and then he says, I want to take a nap. <laughs> right. Never, never had he ever said that. I want to. So I got him in the car, we drove over, and as we're driving over, I mean, this, this poor little kid, he looks like a kid on death row. And so we get to, the, to uh, uh, Pastor Jones' house, we get out, and, and he was kind, and I, I had Dan go up to him, and he, he gave him the knife, and he said, I took this, I'm sorry. And uh, Pastor Jones, well, he was nice and kind, and said, Dan, I understand, and, and so we got back in the car, we're driving home, and I look over at Dan, and he's still just feeling absolutely miserable. And I pulled off to the side of the road, and I grabbed him in my arms, and I, I told him how proud I was for him making it right. Just a memory, you know. My kids weren't perfect. <laughs> I want to show you the next slide. I'll show you my, one of my favorite favorite Christmas decorations. Uh, this is a Christmas tree that my daughter Laura made when she was about eight in in school, and it's you know I mean a lot of people it takes a little bit of imagination to know that that's a Christmas tree. Uh, it's a little ill shaped and ill formed, and some of the sparkly things have fallen out of it over the years, but that's one of my favorite Christmas decorations. And you know why? Because my little girl made it. Now, what you and I need to be able to see about the heart of God is that's the kind of heart except even greater that God has. He has the heart of a parent. 
And when he looks at us, he sees past the flaws or the imperfections and sees his son or daughter. We've got to be able to see God as he is. And when he looks at you, he sees his son or his daughter. He's a proud parent. We need to know that about him. We have to be willing to see that about God and his heart toward us if we're going to really receive all that he wants to give us. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you go to the next screen, he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God's good will toward us means he is delighted with us. He has the heart of a parent. Uh, we are his children, and he desires to give us good gifts, good gifts. Uh, we're going to talk about this a little more this weekend in our services, but we need to know the heart of the Father is a parent heart, and during this season, the first Christmas was God's gift to us, and Jesus, when he was born, and this Christmas, some a couple of thousand years later, can I tell you something about the heart of the Father? He hasn't stopped giving. If we uh, can just realize uh, that he has a heart toward us, then maybe even this Christmas, you and I can ask the Father for something that we need. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's uh, uh, a releasing from some bondage. Maybe it's uh, uh, a provision in our life. Maybe it's more peace of mind or whatever it is. You and I can dare to believe God wants to give it to us because he has a parent's heart. Finally tonight, God's will means he has a purpose for us. Tonight, our, and I'm just going to talk about this for a couple of minutes. We're going to pray. But our lives are meant for something great. All of us here tonight. And this is what gives life its meaning. If you could go to that screen, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. To everything there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a purpose for everything under heaven tonight. Do you know that? Even bugs. Even bu God has a purpose. You know why there are bugs? I, I'm not sure all of why, all, all of them around, but God made them, and so they're here because there's a purpose for them. The smallest gnat, God has a purpose for that gnat. Do you know that if you were to eliminate all the gnats throughout all the world, you know the whole ecosystem would be thrown off, or at least some of it. <laughs> and if God has a purpose for a gnat, I can tell you tonight, he has a purpose for your life and for mine. If we don't know this or we're not living in his plan, then our own personal ecosystem is totally messed up. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people live purposeless, meaningless lives. God has a purpose for us, and we can live out that 
purpose. When the angels talked about God's good will toward men, they meant that we were going to be able to find out that our lives had meaning. In John 17, verse 3, it says, And this is eternal life, Jesus speaking, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, God is saying, and Jesus said in this verse, that our purpose was to know God and to know Jesus Christ, to come into relationship with Him, and that when we begin to know God, we begin to find out what our purpose is in life. Before I gave my life to Jesus, I knew that something was missing. I was a troubled hippie. I mean, I was messed up in my mind. I, I could not bear the thought of living life just to, just to uh, either go to school or work a job and then go home and party and then go to sleep and then wake up and do the whole thing over again. I, I knew that something was missing in my life. I knew that there was something drastically wrong with me, and it almost destroyed me and my mind. And then somebody told me about Jesus, and I came into relationship with Christ. And when I did, it was a revelation. I knew when I got saved, this is my purpose. This is what I've been missing. This is what I've been looking for. It's been Jesus the whole time. I didn't know. I couldn't hardly believe it that uh, I would be going to church week after week after week after week and enjoy it. Used to sing songs. I'd be on the front row of the church singing power in the blood. And I'd clap so long and so hard, my hands would be beat red. You know why? Because I knew there was power in the blood of Jesus. I had to, he'd changed my life. He had given me purpose. He'd given me hope. And tonight, for all of us, we need to know that as we come into relationship with Jesus, life begins to make sense. It never made sense for me before I got saved. But when I got saved, when you got saved, we began to know our purpose. We're here for a reason. Our, the purpose ultimately is to know and love God and spend all eternity with Him. Aren't you glad for that? Life has meaning. Last verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, out of the Message Bible. It says, I know, this is God speaking. He says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not to abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. That's, that is the message of Christmas. When Jesus was born, uh, the shepherds came and what they saw was hope was birthed in the world through Jesus Christ, through a baby. That baby grew into a man, and that man was hung on the cross, shed his blood for your sins and for my sins. And because of that, when we receive him, we receive forgiveness. And not only forgiveness, we are credited with God's righteousness. God is satisfied with us. Not only that, but we become the children of God, and he is delighted with us. What a miracle. What a miracle. God is delighted with us. And our lives have real meaning.
real meaning, and that is to know God and to make Him known. Let somebody else know what the meaning of Christmas is. Let them know who Jesus is to you. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a big clap off, and let's do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's bow our heads tonight, and I just want to know across this building tonight, maybe you're here and, and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and tonight I want you to know, or, or, or if you've been away from God, and tonight you need His, his forgiveness. Just right where you are, I want you to know that God yearns, desires, and the reason why you're here tonight is so that God can make known His forgiveness to you. Anybody here that you've never given your life to Christ, you've been away from Him, and you want His forgiveness tonight, no one looking around for a moment, you just slip your hand up in recognition of your desire to be included in this prayer before we close tonight. Just slip it up where I could see it, know to pray with you and include you in this. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand tonight. I want us to pray a prayer together, and uh, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Just lift your voice up with me. I'll, I'll lead you. Pray this with me. Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. I believe because he died for me, you were satisfied with me. What a miracle. You are delighted with me. You have a purpose for my life. Thank you for that. Thank you for having good will, that your will is good toward me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now would you give the Lord a real clap offering and thank him. Thank you for